You're listening to Stand Out Get Noticed, episode 191. Hi there, Rockstar. Welcome to Stand Out Get Noticed. I'm Christina Cantor's speaker, coach, and founder of The C Method, where I help high-performing professionals and business leaders to build powerful communication skills. You can learn more at thecmethod.com. Join our community over on Facebook, search for the group The C Method Rockstars, or go to thecmethod.com slash community. I actually recorded uh, my very first Ask Me Anything Facebook Live video this week. That was super fun. Thanks to everyone who came along and viewed that and to everyone who asked questions as well. I will actually be releasing that live recording as a bonus episode this week. So keep an ear out for that one. But do go and join the Facebook group if you haven't yet already, and you'll be able to join us for the live Ask Me Anything videos, um, as well as all the other conversations that go on in there as well. Okay, let's get into this week's topic. Are you entering a transition phase in your career? You know, maybe you've been in your role or your industry for five or 10 or maybe even 15 years And, you know, as we're approaching the end of the year and you're about to take a break, you may be reassessing where you're at and maybe you're thinking, is this all there is? There must be something else out there for me. And maybe you're asking yourself that question, if not this, then what? And that question can be incredibly overwhelming. There's a lot in that. So to help us break this question down and to help you start the journey of transitioning into a new career, one that brings you joy, one that you're passionate about, one that works with your your strengths and your values, to help us talk about that, I'm very excited to introduce you to my very special guest, Scott Anthony Barlow. Scott is a career happiness expert and the founder of Happen to Your Career. He's been featured on CNBC, Yahoo, Career Career Builder, Fast Company, and Huffington Post. And um, Happen to Your Career is a company that he created that combines the latest research about human happiness and career change, and he helps thousands of high-performing professionals to identify and change to well-paying, meaningful careers. So this is why I'm really excited to share this conversation with you. We talk about why it's so hard to answer the question, if not this career, then what? Um, We talk about how to start exploring new career options without quitting your full-time job. Okay, so don't have to go crazy. Um, He also answers the question, does changing careers mean taking a pay cut and starting all over again? There is so much good stuff in this episode. And if you enjoy it, please share it with someone who may also be in a similar situation and thinking about how they might change their career. Show notes are at thecmethod.com slash 191. All right, let's get into this conversation with career happiness expert, Scott Anthony Barlow. Now, the first thing I asked him to share was his experience with his own career transitions. Here's Scott. I left college and I had a wonderful job offer even before I left where my friends and family were all telling me how great it was and how amazing it was and how lucky I was to have this opportunity because uh, it was 
a lot of responsibility. I had 20 people reporting to me, which is you know fairly abnormal for being straight out of college and it paid really well. And so I, I moved my brand new bride, Alyssa, down to Portland, Oregon in, um, in here in the States and then decided that it was absolutely the wrong move because it didn't align in any way whatsoever with really what I wanted, what I needed. It was absolutely polar opposite in a lot of different ways. And and it got so bad, in fact, that it became unhealthy. I was having anxiety attacks, driving in traffic on the way to work. I, I didn't even know what an anxiety attack was, but... Uh, wow. <laughs> was what was the... What was the biggest um, sort of mismatch or the, the biggest thing that didn't align? Great question. For me, it was that I didn't believe in what we were doing at the time. And I didn't believe in the way that the company was doing it, in the way that they were asking me to perform. And then on top of that, the job that I was doing was very misaligned with my strengths. I'm an incredibly future-focused person. I am um, somebody who is very, very interested in identifying the the vision. And it was high, high. Even though I was, you know, leading 20 people, it was still really, really, really high execution, just absolutely nonstop. So every single bit of it felt like it was going against the grain for me. And mm. I really had no concept of what what it meant to focus on your strengths. I had really no concept of working with your strengths rather than against them. And all of that was foreign and brand new to me since this was really my first big professional role out of college. And so it, it really was grading on me and to the point where I even gained 50 pounds and there was just, a, it was very, very, very unhealthy. So and what was going through your mind at the time? <laughs> you know, honestly, I remember, I remember one day driving in traffic and traffic was stopped and I was looking around at all the other cars thinking, is this, is this what work is like for everyone? And then <laughs> the cars like just trying to get some sense of like, is this what everybody goes through? Cause this feels terrible. So that is, that was my experience. And eventually after going through all of that, I about a year into it, I finally, finally, finally got the courage up to go and talk to my boss and tell him that, hey, you know, I don't think that this role is right for me. I don't think that, you know, this is a great fit. And apparently he thought so too, because three weeks later he fired me. <laughs> yeah. That's great. I'm sure you didn't think it was great at the time, or did you? I did not think it was great at the time. No. <laughs> at all. Uh, but a great thing happened from it because as I was driving home in traffic, uh, you know, after I had called my, called my brand new bride and told her, Hey, I don't even have a job. I know I moved you away from your parents and everything else. And we have absolutely nothing to show for it. Um, I realized that I never, ever wanted to do that again. So for me, it, it became a quest and a mission initially for myself to figure out how to do this differently. I thought that there was it just, I didn't understand how people could live like that. And it really was not working for me. So I knew that I had to figure this out to be able to do it differently and not do any work like that again. I have a friend he has been in IT project management for the last 10 years. It pays well. He's worked on amazing projects. He's worked with big corporates, done really well for himself. And now he's reached a point where he's thinking, 
I don't want to do this anymore. Something's, something's not right. But he doesn't know what to transition into. And he has an idea of what his skills are, but he's not 100% sure. And I'm certain that he's not the only one who is feeling this way. And I'm sure there are a lot of listeners who are at this point in their careers where they thought this was what they wanted, such as you going, oh, yeah, I'm going to get to that VP level. You know, I'm going to do all this stuff. And I was like that um, when I was an architect. I was like, I'm going to get to director level of this company until I realized, you know, I don't want to do that. But then, but now what? I think I think this is such a great example of a situation, your friend that you're talking about, because mm. I, I do, it's very, very relevant. So many people are you know, five years, a decade into their career and realize, wow, this isn't the decisions that I made when I was 20 years old are not necessarily what I want to be doing now. And mm. I think it's not only relevant, but it's also a really interesting and sometimes scary place to be because answering that question of, well, if not this, then what can be not only not only scary, not only a little bit intimidating, but also how on earth do you go about answering that question too at the same time? And what, what we've found is that answering that question by itself is too big of a question. This is, this is like a big existential question in some ways, because so many of us have our identities wrapped into our career in one way or another as well. And there's so many other elements like, hey, I'm accustomed to making this amount of money and my lifestyle is built around it and all of these other pieces too. So we find that there is a lot attached to this one seemingly simple question of what should I do next? So anytime there is a hugely complex problem, we realize that it is so much more functional and so much more possible to answer those types of questions or solve those types of problems when you break it into much, much smaller pieces. So one of the ways that we found that we can do that is treat it almost like putting together a puzzle and uh, a quick, quick story to help understand what I mean. Sure. Um, have you, have you ever put together a puzzle? I, oh, not well, <laughs> but I can do it. Me, although me. I tend to lose patience. <laughs> Know that I have the patience to sit down and do. I have a family member who just she just loves to put like the three thousand, four thousand uh, piece puzzles. Like I can't do that. That's oh too- God, I can't think of anything worse. <laughs> sounds like stab me in the eye, right? Yeah. But what I've learned though from both her and and my dad, who used to dad and mom, who used to put together puzzles too way back in the in the day, is that when you start with you start with one particular way, you can actually make it so much easier to be able to put together the puzzle. So uh, came the point in time, I've got little kids and um, my last kid was putting together puzzles when he was two or three, he was taking just like random pieces. And this was like the first puzzle he's ever trying to put together, right? So he's sitting on the floor trying to take random pieces smash them together and it's not working <laughs> at all. Like he's making little noises and he's like, and he's getting really frustrated, right? And so I went over and sat down next to him and showed him what my mom had showed me and my dad had showed me. Like you pull out those corner pieces initially because they're pretty easy to find. And then yes. you pull out all of the edge pieces. And then once you pull out all the edge pieces, it becomes not not easy, but much easier to be mm. able to pull those together into a frame, right? You're starting to make a little bit of progress. 
Yeah, you're starting to make a little bit of progress at that point. And the cool thing, though, is once you actually have that frame built out, you can kind of see some of the colors and other things like that. And we build a lot of Disney puzzles at our house. That's what we have, and it's available. We've got little kids. So you can start to see that there's a little bit of Donald Duck's leg or Mickey Mouse's ear or whatever else it is and be like, oh, it's a picture of Mickey. And when you have that frame built out, you can have some of those realizations to be able to begin to build in that center of the puzzle. And what we find is that so many people are approaching the careers the exact same way when they're trying to answer these really big convoluted questions. It's very much like trying to build this very large puzzle. And we're trying to start from the inside out and we're taking random pieces and we're like, ah, I need more flexibility. Ah, I want to make sure that I make the same amount of money. And <laughs> together, we're like, ah, this like, this isn't leaving me any place. What do I do? So instead, we find that if we use the same type of approach and break it into smaller pieces and the same type of approach as putting together a puzzle like I showed Grayson, then you start with those corner pieces. Those corner pieces are what we call your signature strengths. And you can just think about signature strengths is that combination of those areas that you not only are good at, because sometimes there's areas that are good at that we don't really like all that much, but also those areas that you enjoy and also those areas that you can add a high amount of value. So those make up what we call signature strengths. And then- can one, you, Sorry, Scott, can you give me an example of something that adds a high, high amount of value? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So you know, I mentioned earlier that I'm a very future-focused person. I'm a very futuristic person. So mm. for me, this is something I can't stop doing. If you- you know, tell me a little bit about your day. Then you mentioned something offhand. I'm thinking about tomorrow and what you're going to do tomorrow and how that impacts, you know, five years in the future. And everything. I just can't stop thinking that way. So um, this very much is something that is built into me in many different mm -hmm. ways. It's also something that I enjoy doing. And what I found is that when I was working in HR, this was particularly useful for predicting workforce uh, workforce needs, you know, six months, a year into the future and being able to plan in that type of capacity. And I found that that was very, very valuable to organizations. And that's not something that everybody likes to do or is capable of doing. So that's one small example, but mm, sure. these things is what we find. I think it's so important. Like it's so important that people understand that because I think a lot of people don't realize where they're adding value. They look at, oh, these are my hard skills. This is what I do well, but they don't look at what's the overall value that you're creating for your company. Exactly. And that's actually why these are parts of the edge pieces. These signature strengths are part of the edge pieces. One, because we underappreciate these because we look at them like, yeah, it's no big deal. Like I always am thinking about the future and like, I just, I can't stop doing it, but we don't realize it not everybody is that particular way. So your strengths too, we also recognize even though they will develop over time and they will, the shift depending on what, what focus and growth you are, are uh, putting on them, they don't actually change that much. It's not like you get in, a, you, I don't know, swap out your strengths or anything. That's not how it, how it works. And there's a ton of great science and research to be able to back that up. Instead, they evolve over time more so than anything else. So that's why we start there. That's why those are those corner pieces. And then those edge pieces that I mentioned earlier, those are very much answering the individual questions for the areas of your life. What are the highest priorities? What is 
most valuable to you in different areas of your life. So we break that into smaller categories because again, it, even that question alone is, is too big to answer. So we say, well, what about your environment, whether it be your work environment or, you know, where you want to live geographically or what type of culture do you really want to be immersed in as you're working? Or you know, for me, I'm, I'm a bit of a weirdo and I need fairly constant exposure to sunlight. Otherwise I get grumpy. The, the place where I'm standing right now talking to you is right next to this huge window because I know that I need that. Otherwise mm. I don't feel very happy very often, quite frankly. And what, but what we find is that those pieces are slightly different for everybody. And what is most important to you in terms of some of these categories, whether it be environment or whether it be, you know, what you need financially to be able to accomplish some of your other goals and, and needs. And also, you know, relationships is another great example of that. You know, who are the types of people that you want to spend your time around, especially, um, especially if you're going to spend time at, at work or, you know, working with other people and spend a decent chunk of your day. So we separate it into all these categories and say, okay, well, what is most important to you? What do you value in the, each of these particular areas? And then we find once we have these edge pieces along with the, along with the corner pieces of your signature strengths, it becomes much more possible to build out that frame. And that frame allows you to begin answering that bigger question of what's in the middle. How do we start filling in the piece of the puzzle, you know, creating the, creating the vision for your ideal role or ideal job or ideal uh, situation for your career in your life. And then, mm. then it's much, much easier to be able to begin answering the, what should I do next question? Right. So we need to, we really need to understand ourselves first before we can start looking externally to a different, to a different career. Absolutely. Absolutely. So what about for the person thinking, but I've been in this career for, you know, 10 years, it's paying me really well, taking that leap, you know, that's pretty scary. Like what if I have to take <laughs> a pay cut? You know, do you work with people who have this fear? Almost everyone asks some variation of that question. It's, it's really, really prevalent. So uh, we've worked with literally thousands of people at this point. Um, I have a whole team of amazing coaches that, uh, that I get the opportunity to work with and they're phenomenal, but every single person, it, no matter what they, whether they're earning like $50,000 a year, $30,000 a year, $450,000 a year, whatever it is, like they all ask some variation of that question when they start going down this road, because it, is a bit of a concern and is a bit of a fear. And I have not been able to figure out totally why everyone believes that we have to take a pay cut when we're doing something that is fulfilling and purposeful and enjoyable for us. We often equate that with not valuable. And I find that that belief holds a lot of people back. Wait, so, can you repeat that? So people who think, people think that following something you're passionate about means that you're not going to get paid well for it. Is that correct? That's what I have seen. And that wow. it seems to be some of the big reasons why at every level, like from executives to it, it hasn't, we always get some variation of that question and high income earner, low income earner. We always get some variation of that. Like, well, if I could, 
or I, I mean, if I have to, I could take a little bit of a pay cut or people ask the question directly, like, do you think I'll have to take a pay cut? Uh, and we always, always, always get some variation of that. And it still to this day astounds me because when people are asking that, it means there's some type of underlying belief there. And I believe that that belief comes from something that is pervasive in our society, but I have not pinned it down to one particular thing, but I find it fascinating. So a lot of times as we start working with people, we have to undo that initial belief. Now, here's something that um, has a tendency to blow people away when I tell them. Um, very, 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 very few. And... Um, Less than 10% of the people that we work with end up taking a pay cut. Wow. Most of them either are making something equivalent or they are getting a fairly significant pay raise. Now, um, keep in mind, like we haven't worked with the entire, we work, our people that we work with are all over the world, all over the world. However, you know, we've only worked with a few thousand people. So, um, it's a somewhat small sample size when you consider like all the people in the world. However, I find it really interesting that if, you know, fairly sizable representation is mm. not experiencing that at all, even though we all have this embedded in ourselves, someplace is a belief. It seems like, I guess people feel like changing careers or shifting paths means that you have to quote, start all over again. What have you found to be the case in reality? In reality, what we try and do is reframe it and say, okay, we have no desire to have you start over again. You don't have any desire to start over again. Nobody has any desire to start over again. Like that's not something people come to us and say, ah, man, can you help me start over again? (laughs) Instead, when we reframe it, we approach it from the from the realm of how do we take what you are currently enjoying you know e- even if it's a small amount of things <laughs> whether it be you know the the amount of money that you make or whether it be you know I love having some of the flexibility that uh, that allows me to go pick up my child or whatever it happens to be in your current situation or past situations how do we pull those things forward and not lose those and then how do we sub out substitute out the pieces that you don't want or enjoying less in order to in order to bring in a much better situation that is truly a better fit, a better alignment, because we find that when we have that better fit, better alignment, then you have a higher, higher, any given day, you know, the number of hours you spend, more of those feel more happy more often. We find that people feel more fulfilled overall. If they've got some of those pieces in place, we find that it's just uh, overall more enjoyable. We find that they're more challenged. We find that when we do a good job of aligning all of these little tiny areas, then all of the the things that we want have a t- come along with it. It's not a perfect experience, but that's what we observe again and again and again and again. Hey, Rockstar, Christina here. If you're looking to take your career to the next level, so maybe you are transitioning to a new role or industry and you want to set yourself up for success, this message is for you. My next round of the online group coaching program for high-performing professionals starts on February 5th, 2019. 
Now, this program is for you if you want to dramatically increase your influence, your impact, and your confidence at work. Over eight weeks, you'll learn how to communicate more effectively across all areas of work, including public speaking, running meetings, having high-level conversations, articulating your ideas and value, connecting with your colleagues and senior management, and, well, how to stand out and get noticed. You'll be learning in a collaborative environment and will be 100% supported by myself and the group. The training is conducted online, so it can be done from anywhere. Now, this next program in Feb is open to women and men. Now, I I have been running this program for women exclusively, but due to the number of requests from men that I've been receiving, I have decided to run a separate mixed group. So the the women's program in February will still run and there will be another mixed group for men and women running concurrently. For more information and to apply for the program, visit thecmethod.com slash group coaching. Don't forget the thecmethod.com slash group coaching. We will book in a discovery call to explore if you qualify for the program and to see if it's a good fit for you and your goals. Again, that's thecmethod.com slash group coaching. Okay, back to the show. Are there any other mindset shifts that you've found have been really powerful for the people you've worked with? Yeah, absolutely. One of the mindsets that we use all the time with our clients and students is acting like a scientist. And once we, (laughs) what we just talked about, what we call the puzzle method and being able to fill in that puzzle. And that helps provide you more context into what you want your next role or next situation to be like. And it helps you understand really what your ideal career can look like. Because if you know what it looks like, it's a heck of a lot easier to find it versus if you don't know and you're shooting in the dark, well, it's not going to happen very often. But at the end of the day, that's still a guess, right? So what we have found is we want to act like a scientist and be able to create that guess, create that hypothesis, but then we actually want to test it in reality and make sure that what we thought we really want with our life and our career, what we think is going to make us more happy more often is actually going to make us more happy more often before we invest all of that time and all that effort and we take the role and now we're in that role for many months. Now the honeymoon period is worn off and we're like, oh, this is right back where I started. Only mm. word. That's not a situation I would wish on anybody. So how do we test? Can we do this while we're still working full time for our, you know, old job? Absolutely. I don't think it requires. A lot of times when we when we talk about tests, people have visions of their head of well, I, that means that I probably need to uh, take a sabbatical. And, you know, after I have seven years off, then I'll, I'll be able to get that answer. You know, that sounds really nice, Scott, but, uh, you know, I don't think that's going to work. So instead, we're always looking for what is the smallest version? What is the the minimum way that we can validate? Are we, in fact, heading the right direction? So what we've done to be able to to um, help people think about this in a different way is we've we've created a number of different types of tests, or rather we have identified uh, six different tests that we use pretty regularly with, uh, with our students, with people, and that we recommend. So uh, I'll share a couple of them with you here. And number one is what we call the social Goldilocks. And this is, this is a pretty easy way, pretty low risk way, and pretty low time intensive way 
to validate whether or not you're heading the right direction. So I'll give you an example here. Sure. We had, we worked with a student, her name was Laura, and she worked in sustainability for about eight years or so for the same company. She moved up, she flew up the ranks, like to where she had a, a big team and was really, really well paid. And she recognized that after she got to the top, she wasn't getting any growth. She wasn't getting it in the way that she wanted. So she knew she needed to leave, but she ended up sitting there for years, like trying to figure out like, what do I do next? So, but the point in time we met with her, we helped her go through the puzzle method that we were talking about. And she had identified a couple areas where she thought she might want to move into, um, possibly, um, possibly innovation, possibly product management. So she had a couple different things that she suspected could be a great fit for her. But we said, okay, Laura, we've got some guesses. Let's go ahead and test the, this out. So what she did, oh, she used this social Goldilocks approach, Goldilocks being like, this corner office is too big. This chair is too small. <laughs> Try out a lot of things and be able to see what fits, right? So in this case, we actually had her uh, connect with a variety of people that had these same roles in companies that she was excited about, organizations that she was excited about and thought might fit in other areas that she'd identified too. So she connected with probably about, uh, I think it was almost 20 people, like 15 to 20 people, uh, and learned very, very quickly that some of the areas that she thought she was excited about, like innovation, for example, was not at all where she wanted to be. And Wait, so she, she reached, so she cold reached out to people and asked them for coffee to sit down and have a chat with them? So what that looked like a variety of different things. In some okay. cases, leveraged some people that she knew already and had them do introductions to sure. people these are organizations. In other cases, yeah, she would pick up the phone or send a LinkedIn message and said, hey, you know, I am in the midst of a career change. I'm trying to decide what I want to be doing next. And uh, what you're doing in innovation, it looks really exciting to me. And I would love to be able to uh, spend 15 minutes with you and ask you a few questions about what it is that you do and what you like about it. Is that something you'd be open to? And um, in not just Laura's case, but also you know, when we've done this many times over, we find that usually someplace between 50 to 70% of people say, yeah, I'd love to do that. Fantastic. And uh, are very, very, very willing to help. So she would go and she'd have conversations like this and she'd find out you know, what, what those people thought it took to be successful in those roles. She would find out what uh, what it was actually like from their perspective. And she was able to get all this information and run it up against what we call an ideal career profile, which is the result of that puzzle method that I was talking about earlier. So she mm. has this picture of what she believes to be her ideal career, and she can now measure it against actual opportunities and careers out there and say, yeah, this doesn't fit at all. Let's go ahead and move it off the list. And you know, through that type of testing, she was able to not only avoid a uh, spending many other years in something like innovation, which clearly afterwards, um, what she thought was going to be a good fit, uh, we realized wasn't. But then it led her down the path of finding out really invalidating what really was. So she ended up actually meeting um, a variety of people through this too, because that's the thing that we love. Can we do things for multiple purposes? And in this case, not only are you getting some of that information, but she's also developing brand new relationships with people that can help her or hire her. And a couple of the people that she ended up meeting through the process uh, ended up being her brand new coworkers and, and boss. 
mm. not too long later. Yeah. So it's a good way to get your foot in the door as well. Yes. Love it. So good. Well, thanks so much for sharing that story, Scott. That's I think that's really – it's important to hear, you know, a real-life example of how this has played out. Um do you have any final thoughts or um, or a final message for the listeners, for someone who is thinking about making that shift, but they are just feeling stuck and not sure what to do? You know, I think that there's a couple pieces of advice I'd give you. If you're in that place where you are feeling stuck, you know something needs to change, but you're not, you don't have the answer to that question of what's next. I would advise you to like pull out the calendar now and find a first block of time, even if it's not a huge block of time, where you can begin dedicating some, some measure of time to identifying what really creates your ideal situation, your ideal career, even if you don't have a name to put on it yet. But just like what we were talking about earlier, if, if you don't have those answers, it's going to be much more difficult. If you don't have the micro answers, it's going to be much more difficult to um, try and answer the, what should I be doing for my next step? Or uh, any job search that you're going to be doing is going to be not very fruitful. Or even if, it, even if you end up making a change, it's probably not going to be something that you really actually want to spend a ton of time in because you haven't answered some of those critical upfront questions of what really makes up an ideal career? What makes up a purposeful career? What makes up a more fulfilling situation for you? And not just your, not just your work, but also the rest of your life, because they interact so much together and one depends on another. And I think the second thing I would say is that if you're not sure how to begin in that, then a really, really easy way to get started in answering some of those questions and begin breaking it apart and we have a eight day mini email course that helps people begin to answer some of those questions and begin to identify what really does make up that ideal, much more fulfilling career for you. And you can go over to figureitout.co. That's figureitout.co. And you pop in your email and then you get an email one once a day for eight days that guides you through an exercise each day that helps you start moving down that path. So that can, that can be an antidote to if you don't know exactly where to start. That sounds amazing. I wish I had that like six years ago because <laughs> otherwise it, take, like, it does take time to figure this out. And I spent a lot of time experimenting and, and you know, trying and thinking and doing the self-discovery thing to try and figure it out. So I think it's amazing that there are people like you, Scott, who are creating these amazing resources for people to use um, to help to accelerate that process for sure. Scott, can you share with the listeners where people can find you and and what you help people to do at Happen to Your Career? Well, if you're listening to this, then I'm guessing that you enjoy podcasts and that's one of the best ways to connect with us. We have the Happen to Your Career podcast where we share stories of uh, high performers and high achievers that have found their way to to work that is much more meaningful, much better fit, and really matches up with their happiness and that they're enamored with. So we have that, but also happentoyourcareer.com is our home base. And that's the way you can access all of our tools and resources and, and podcasts. And really what we help with is we help people get very, very clear on 
what they want out of both life and work. And then we help people make it happen no matter what that looks like. And that is, that is what we have a lot of fun with. And that is uh, the thing that we get to do every day in our impact on the world. So I, I appreciate you uh, having me on and letting me, uh, letting me talk about these things. <laughs> Big thanks to Scott Anthony Barlow from Happen to Your Career for sharing his insights and resources with us. You can find out more about what he and his team does at happentoyourcareer.com or simply visit the show notes at thecmethod.com slash 191. And that link is in the description of your app as well. All right, before we wrap up, just want to say, we are so incredibly close to a million downloads, my amazing rock stars. One million. So good. So if you can, share this with a friend, show them how to subscribe, you know, just grab their phone and say, hey, here's a great podcast. You should listen um, and subscribe for them. And that's going to help us get to that one million download mark. And I cannot wait. I'm going to do a special bonus episode for you all when that happens. And that wraps this week's episode Keep on being awesome, yeah, and I will talk to you next week. My name's Christina Cantors, and this has been Stand Out, Get Noticed. <laughs>